Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Come on up here and let's pray with you. And I've uh, known Chris and Laura. Laura, stand up. Turn around. Let everybody greet you. Up here. And uh, Chris and I have been friends for a long, long time. I don't know, probably 20 to 25 years. I've lost count of it. I love him dearly. I can't tell you how many times God has used this man in my life. I know that some of you are here this morning because God used him in your life also. Um, Most people got touched through his worship leading and his music ministry and that and knew him that way. I got touched because he was my friend. I got touched because he had always words of encouragement for me. He always had words of life for me. And, uh, you know, I, I will say this, even, even when I was struggling, you know how that we sometimes think that we have a word of exhortation to help our friend that's struggling? Chris never did that with me. He came alongside me with compassion and put his arm around me, and he never me, exhorted me to do it right or better. He just stood with me. And for me, that was the true mark of Christianity and the true mark of brotherhood. It's because he was so pathetic. <laughs> they know that. You know, they're already thinking that. You go, yeah, we know. We know. Get on with it. So anyway, let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this man that you love, that you rescued. Lord, the, that you reached down. You saved his young life, and you set him on a course, and you kept him. Lord, he is your child. He's your son. We ask that you would bless him, bless his family, bless him as he teaches and shares your word with us today. And Lord, we open our hearts up to receive from him. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning. I'm honored to be here. Um, Wonderful job in worship this morning. Just wanted to say it was a, just a, a great connection in my heart with the Lord. I, I love your theology that God is here, that God is now, Jesus is the center, and and uh, I know that there's thought into that. It's those aren't random songs that you just chose because it's got a good beat. So uh, just I, I appreciate you guys, especially coming into a place where you don't know anybody and it's new, and then having people make that connection through. A simple introduction. So, um, good on you, as they say in Australia. So, um, I'm honored to, to be here, Lloyd and, and Brenda, our old friends. Um, <laughs> having Glenn and Karen show up, and Susan Berglund, and Rustin, and Laura, and myriad others. I'm, I'm just honored that, that folks are here. Um, <clears throat> um, I'm from Rochester, New York, originally. Actually, originally 30 miles east of Rochester in a small town called Marion. Yeah. <laughs> Liars. 
there's only 4,000 people there and 5,000 cows, so you're not, you're not from there. Um, <clears throat> but we loved, uh, we would average 100 to 110 inches of snow every year. Um, the last year we were there was 122 inches of snow. <clears throat> so when we moved from there to Kansas City, and we had seven or six the first year, and people were complaining and schools were closing. <laughs> we were like, this is awesome. <laughs> Um, they do it now. When uh, I live now in, in Franklin, Tennessee, just south of Nashville, and, and we know that when we wake up and it's a sunny day, uh, it's probably a school is closed um, because there was the threat of a dusting, <laughs> and at the threat of a dusting, they closed schools. That's totally serious. Um, so, uh, in Rochester, literally, our school system, in Marion's Central School System. You had to have 24 inches of snow to cancel school. It had to come within the last 24 hours. You had to have 24 inches in the last 24 hours. If you had less than 24 inches, you had school. So um, we love when summer came. I tell you, those two weeks of summer were. <laughs> it was we we ran around and skipped and. <laughs> So I have always looked forward to summer. Now after being in Kansas City and now Franklin, summer is a little different world than in upstate New York. Summer in upstate New York, the highs are in the, the high 70s, low 80s. There's always a nice breeze. Here, it's, you walk out and get to the car as fast as possible and then try to open the door without burning yourself. Um, so I, I, I say that because it's spring and I love spring. I love when things change and things blossom. I love watching people change and people blossom. I love watching little kids come to realize that, that now he's not just the God of their parents, that he's their God, and it's real, and it, there's a connection. And, and uh, I love parents finding out, the, and the light bulb goes on, um, realizing that it's not just their faith, but they have to pass this thing along somehow. And so the newness of, of life, of flowers, and we were talking the other day, sitting outside at our friend's house and, and uh, hearing some birds singing. Um, the last three weeks, I've been in two weddings, not been in them, been at them. Um, uh, gone are the days of being in everybody's wedding. remember one summer in 1975, I was in ten weddings. Everything that I worked for at my job was to pay for a tux. <laughs> From May until September, all I did was pay for tuxes. And I, still, I love you, Glenn. It wasn't that year, but I thank you for letting me be in your wedding. <laughs> I didn't regret that, regret that one. I said. <clears throat> um, Jesus has got a wedding coming up. It's not going to be a shotgun wedding. Thank God Father's not standing there. Yeah, you got to marry her. He actually loves her. He's absolutely smitten by her. Um, he is, we've heard all the terms before. He's ravished. He's head over heels. Um, as a father, I, I, that kind of language, or as a husband, that kind of language I use with my wife. My wife is just, she's my better two-thirds. She is, um, she's absolutely beautiful. People tell her that all the time. And, I don't know if her heart really knows it yet, but every time she knows it, she just lights up. And I have different language for my kids. I have three kids, three daughters. They're as different as night and day. 
People say, how many kids you have? I say, I have three daughters, one of each. I, I do. I, I have a, a special needs daughter that lives with us, can't drive, never graduated. I, we have to drive her to work and bring her home. And, and it's a joy, and it's finding new liberties and new independence. My second daughter is loving, uh, stubborn, and brilliant. And then my third daughter is uh, a dancer poet. And so as a father, I have had to communicate. I communicate the same thing, but in three different ways. I can't tell Andrea what I want to tell her like I would tell Katie. And I can't tell Melissa the same thing because it's, you, know, you ever have those children that when you look at them and they've done something wrong, all you, do, all you have to do is look at them. The second you look at them, they just crumble. And, and that, was, that was my youngest. And so I had to learn, we had to learn how to communicate with our kids um, in a way that was, that was real, in a way that they understood for them. And, and he's like that with us. Uh, the idea of a cookie cutter, we're all supposed to look alike, sound alike, pray alike, um, worship alike, do whatever alike. Uh, may that be flushed. <laughs> um, God did not create individuals to lose individuality. God created individuals so that he could show his diverse nature through individuals. How do you think he's going to show? Do you think God's going to show his uniqueness through all the same people looking the same way, talking the same way? I mean, that, that, it just won't happen. We need geeks. I desperately need geeks. I've got two young ladies that are watching the table for me today, and so I took my phone out. And it's like, have you ever seen this? And it's one of these little things you, you put in the phone, and you, you swipe a credit card. She goes, no. I said, well, let me teach you. And I, about five seconds later, she goes, I got it. Sorry. You can go. <laughs> go, old man. <laughs> <laughs> We need intellectuals. We need poets. We need, I mean, we need your uniqueness. God didn't create you so that you'd be under a bushel. I mean, I'm not going to have you look at somebody and say something, but just look at someone and look at them. Just take a look at them. They're, they're not you. That's a good thing. They're, they're not supposed to be. <clears throat> and as it's spring, one of the things that... that um, uh, that I love, that, that I remember growing up, as we were talking about it yesterday, I was talking to my wife, that I used to love to, my, my cousins, the Murphys, had a, a, a house two miles away from where I lived. It was, a, again, a small town. And they had 120 acres, and they had all these rolling hills in the back. And so we'd take a blanket up and put it on top of the hill on the, on the shade side, but still get the breeze. So we were right next to the sun, and the sun would move, and we'd just, just be over, you know. And we would just stay there for hours and watch birds and, and, and make, you know, clouds into things. And I love what's out there. And, and I, I love, um, David says in, in Psalm 8, <clears throat> uh, he says, verse 3, When I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've ordained, what am I that you're mindful of me? Or the son of man that you would visit him? And David is caught up. I think David spent a whole lot of time on a hillside. 
I think David was uh, very aware of what was around him. Um, he, he, wasn't, he didn't pass through life. He saw life as he walked it. And being a person of awareness um, is, is a huge thing. In Psalm 119, this is what I want to use kind of as a springboard this morning, just because I, I love spring. The heavens declare the glory of God. Well, I can stop right there. Um, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the earmarks of David was that he's likable because he was a doofus. He did everything great and he did everything wrong. He was a king. He was a warrior. He was a poet. He was a, he was a songwriter. He was a singer. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. <laughs> Can you imagine? Hey, David's going to come speak now. <laughs> He's been a singer, a songwriter, a king, a poet, adulterer, murderer. Come on up, David. You know, it's like <laughs> and we can all identify with him. Hopefully there's not a lot of murderers out here this morning, but, you know, in my heart, there's a whole bunch of dead people over the years. <laughs> Just being honest. I have since, by grace and forgiveness, raised them from my dead heart. They are now alive again. Um, mostly. Mostly dead. <laughs> he says this, The firmament shows your handiwork. Day unto day utter speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. Huh. If I miss... If I walk outside only to get to a car, I miss him. If my life is devoid of the heavens, I just put on my phone, when she's got it, just put on my phone this app, and I love it. It's a sky something, whatever it is, but you just put up that sky, and it shows you all the stars and the names and the constellations. And literally, you can take the thing and go down like this, and it shows you what's under, on the other side of the earth in the sky. It's just, I love it. I know some of you are going, oh, I got that six years ago. I know, but I just found it. You know what I mean? That moment when you find it. And I, just, I just love that. He is, he is in those places. The firmament shows his handiwork. And I have, I don't know about you, but I, anybody ever been on a blind date? I see some of you are, okay. How many ever went on a blind date? Let me ask this question. Went on a blind date and you married that person? Wow, one, okay. Two, three, four. Oh, oh wow. Well, good for you. <laughs> I went on one blind date one time. And my, my friend at the time uh, in high school, uh, Tom, and, and Tom called me. We were freshmen in college. And by this time, he had already found the girl he wanted to marry. He was convinced, and Martha, her name was Martha, and they did. They've been married now for, I don't know, how many years, 40, 38, something like that. And so he calls me at my college in upstate New York, and he says, hey, you got to come to this dance. Why would I drive three hours to come to a dance? Because, because there's a girl here. It's Martha's friend. You really like her. I said, what's she like? Oh, she's great. Monkeys are great. I mean, you know, <laughs> help me out here. Throw me something, you know. No, you really like her. I said, so I got on a motorcycle and drove three hours. Actually, it was about two and a half hours because I raised the speed limit. And, and got there. And, and the second, you know, you know what it is when you meet someone, you just know, wow, we're gonna, I'm going to hit it off. Or you meet someone 
And so uh, I just, yeah, I just remember meeting her and, and, and Tom and Martha are like, huh? I'm going like, hi, this is going to be a really long night. I didn't say that, but as why I'm shaking her hand, I'm thinking, oh, God help me. And I don't even know you, but help me, <laughs> you know? And it was just a long night. And every time that, you know, if she'd get up to go to the restroom, he'd go, oh, so what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Huh? 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 And I just remember the whole night feeling this pressure to like this person. And then uh, a year later, I got saved. And I went to church. And I felt like I was in a blind date. I had met Jesus, but they didn't unveil him. And they were telling me, your, your number one priority is to love him, love him, love him, love him. And you, I'm listening to the song today, and it says, and if you hadn't loved me first, I don't know if I'd ever. It's like, oh, 1 John 4, I love that. That he, 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 he extends his affection, and with affection comes revelation. They're always connected. And when we feel him and know him that way, we see him in new ways. And, and, and I love the fact that, that he gave me time and time to get to know him. And it's going to be an eternity to get to know him. But I, I feel like, and, and I've gone around and we've been around for a long time, Lloyd longer than I, and <laughs> um, much, much longer. And, and I just feel like sometimes the church just wants to preach a blind date. They don't want to tell you about Jesus. They don't want to, t- to show and unveil him. They just want to guilt you into loving him more. I can't, love, I can't make someone love someone. You know, when you have kids, you go, oh, they'd like that one. Let's, let's set this thing up. Well, that's a disaster ready to happen. Um, <clears throat> love is, is, is relational. And it takes time and it takes closeness and it takes knowing and it takes patience, and it takes understanding. And all those things, he is there waiting in that way for us to know him. And one of the things I love about spring is that it gives me an opportunity again to know him in his beauty that he puts in front of me every day. And, and I love that. And so I've kind of taken it, okay, it's, it, you know, I, I heard this guy say one time, um, literally from the pulpit many years ago in Rochester, New York. It's your job to love him. I just thought, wow, wow. Is it 40 hours a week? Do I, do, do I get overtime? You know, what's, it's my job to love him. Do I, do I wake up in the morning and have to drive to him? You know, I was sitting here during the middle of worship, literally during the middle of worship, and I just went, hello again, Lord, good morning. And I just said, how are you? And it's not, no, I, wasn't trying, I wasn't trying to be hokey. I was just talking to him. And then I heard this little comment come back. says, I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> and I thought, that's right. I can say it as well because it's well with you. You're fine. I'm fine because you are. And, and so I've decided that it's not my work to love him. It says, what the work of God is this, John 6, 29, to believe on him who sent That's my job, is to believe what's already done. My job is to believe what's already in front of me. It's true. My wife's job is to actually believe me when I tell her that she's absolutely stunning. And that I can't believe that in two years she's going to be older. (laughs) It comes out of pain. (laughs) 
<laughs> Paul talks to the Ephesians, and he says this, the exceeding greatness of his power, in 119, the exceeding greatness of God's power is extended towards those who believe. Wow. So, so back the truck up. I, I'm getting off the work train. I, I, want, I want to know how to believe, and I want to have eyes that see. How we believe determines how we live. I mean, I, not to be morbid, but just think about, you know, a couple of years ago, there's, there's a couple of young brothers, and they're in college and high school, high school and, and they're having fun, and they're just being normal boys, and they go over to the, to the Middle East, and they get hooked up with a jihadist mentality. And their, their belief system totally shifts. They come back to Boston and explode during the Boston Marathon. And, and if you look at pictures of them, um, just, just 16, 18 months before then, they were just normal, rowdy kids having a fun time. But some, a belief system took hold. And there's a, there's a way that belief can, can drag us down. And there's another belief of we believe on him who sent us. We believe what, what he says about him. The exceeding greatness of his power is towards those who believe. And so David, here, here he's trying to say this. He says in verse 3 in Psalm 19, there is no speech nor language anywhere where the voice is not heard. In other words, his voice is heard if I will hear it. I want to know him more. Well, let me unveil a word, world to you and I have something connected to, to every aspect of beauty that's out there. I have something connected. And he says, their line has gone through all the earth and, and the worlds to the end of the world. Which means, all this says is, the line or the ability to hear and see him has been extended to every part of the earth. And, and one, of the, one of the aspects of there's no, uh, when, it, when it says... Um, <clears throat> Uh, There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. One of the commentators says this, if you don't find it in the beauty of God there, that's where the voice of God is about that aspect of God. You won't find it anywhere else. He's created things so that we can see aspects of his nature that we won't find elsewhere. Wow, I love that. And then he says this one statement, in them... He has set himself a tabernacle for the son, which is like the bridegroom who comes out of his chamber. And when I read that, I just, well, it took me back to a, a really bad commercial back in the 60s. There was a product that they only had on for a few years, but I, it had it in the Northeast. Anybody remember a product called Big Wally? Big Wally. Nobody. Okay. Back in the Northeast, there was a product that cleaned things and walls and counters. It was called Big Wally. And the advertisements were a little weird, but they didn't really realize it until people said, this is really weird. But a woman would be in her home, and, and she'd, you know, she'd be cleaning her counter and said, why can't I ever get this clean? And suddenly you'd see the wall, the eyes would go. And this man would step out from the wall. Hello, Big Wally's here. And he had this product called Big Wally, which cleaned everything. Now, which after a while, it was kind of creepy that you had this man in your walls in your home. It's like, you know, you're in the bathroom. Why can't I clean this? Here I am. You know? <laughs> but when I heard this, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, to me, what it meant was, if you'll go and find, I will come out and greet you and meet you in this place of beauty. 
And I'll, I'll give you language and speech which you can't find anywhere else. Some people are so caught up with nature and what's out there that the nature becomes worshipped. The, the idea of it is to project aspects of his truth that we aren't going to find anywhere else. That's why he made it. He made it for our enjoyment, but the end of our enjoyment is his glorification. So he made it so that we can enjoy and then find more of his greatness in it. I like that point, Chris. Thank you. That was a good point. Okay. <laughs> Richard uh, Feynman, who is a Nobel laureate in physics, said, You can recognize truth by its beauty and by its simplicity. I love that. So because I am not a complicated person, I am a simple man. Uh, I find simple things in simple area, a stream, a babbling brook, as, as we like to call it. Um, I can sit by it and I can hear the voice of God. My, my, my cousins had 120 acres. They had ponds, they had cows, they had dogs, they, uh, they had uh, fields. We, they, I mean, you just name it. They had it there, streams. And we would spend, I would, I would ride my bike out there and spend hours and sometimes stay overnight over weekends just so that I can enjoy. I lived in town and we were all houses hurled, cuddled up next to each other. And that gave me room to breathe and run and roam and, and you know, play army and kill Nazis and, you know, do all sorts of things. But it also gave me time just to, to, to focus and to relax. And I just remember as a kid enjoying the beauty of God, not really understanding it. it its satisfaction ended with me. Um, and then I learned that it, my satisfaction is to then be returned. That's how he gets our crowns. He crowns us and then we throw them at his feet. It's wonderful. So... I want to ask you a question, if you don't mind. If your creation, if it's, if it's simple and beautiful, then if you examine creation, it must lead to the beautiful one. Right? Okay. So, how many hated science growing up? Okay. Can I give it a shot to try and redeem it? Is that okay? All right. The earth. Science class, okay? How many thousand miles in diameter? Nope, circumference is 24 point something. Diameter is about 8,000. Circumference is about almost 25. That's, that's big. I've flown around. I've flown. I'm going to Singapore soon for the fourth time. I've gone to uh, you name it. And, and it's just a big place. This earth is big. Um, and... If you take one million Earths, you will almost fill up our small sun. It takes a million Earths to almost fill up the small sun. Our sun, it's a small-sized sun. It's yellow. It's burning off. It's been around for a while. The sun consumes four million tons of its own matter every second. Every second, four million tons, not four million pounds, four million tons of its own matter consumed every second. By my repeating that a number of times, it has consumed so much that my brain can't even get there. And, which now makes me nervous. I remember the first time I read that, I thought, when's it going to burn out? In five billion years. In five billion years. That's huge. That's huge. I mean, our galaxy is 100,000 light years from one side to another. We're a small galaxy. 
there are at least 150 billion galaxies. Has anybody's brain just kind of gone off and just go, I can't, my, it doesn't compute, okay? And so we ask the question that David asked. Are my problems too big for him to handle? Look at the sun. You will find me. Walk the earth. It takes a million of them to put into the sun. We're on the edge of a galaxy that's 100,000 light years. Light travels 100,000, 186,000 miles in a second. The time it takes to travel a year, and there's 100,000 of them, is our small galaxy. And there's 150 million, a billion of them. And we say, oh, but you don't understand. This thing I'm going to, is, it's too big. And I want to say, you don't understand. He is speaking. He is coming out of the woodwork. The bridegroom's coming. He's coming out to tell you that it's not too big. Chill. Now, I'm not, I, don't want to take, I don't want to minimize problems by using the word chill. I, I wouldn't do that. I've been around long enough to know that that's an invitation to be killed while you sleep. But this, this, I, this I do know is that sometimes we empower ourselves by our victimhood. Victimhood sometimes in, in being, being the person of your, uh, having your identity established along with your problem can give you sympathy and compassion that can empower you. And it's, it's a very, it's, it's a deadly path and road to walk down. And I, I don't want to do that. And so something has to be larger than that situation in my life. How? And he says, walk outside and see what I've done. Just understand, understand the science of the earth and the sun, and you'll know there's nothing too big. There's nothing too big. Oxygen. Our earth is made up of 21% oxygen. That's cool. I like 21%. Because if it was 22%, the earth would be scorched by unstoppable fires. All we have to do is change it from 21% to 22%, and you will be destroyed within a matter of a day because fires will, will be everywhere. They'll start everywhere. Ooh, cool. What about 20%? If you do 20%, within a day, everything would suffocate. It has to be 21%. That's, that's God. And we ask the questions, are my situations too complex? For God. He says, no, I put a ball in the middle of the world, uh, middle of the universe. I have it twirling at a perfect axis, in a perfect speed, with a perfect amount of oxygen, just so that you will live to your fullness. And that because of that, maybe you'll see me and understand, if I can do that, your, your situation isn't too big for me. I, I, am, I, I am not, please understand, I am not coming from, uh, I have... I have overcome this, so I'm here to tell you, minions. <laughs> I'm a minion with you. <laughs> but I'm in him, so that's a good place to be. But I, I, there are things that, that I am and we struggle with and are going through now and are questions that we're asking, and I, I keep having to look up, and I, and I look out, and I see buds coming. And I said, it's a new season. It's a new time. Birds are singing. There's, there's the, the, the turtle dove, is, is, its voice is heard across the land. He is my beloved. I am his and he is mine. Okay, there is a relationship. It is real. This thing is real. And he's not lo- le- leaving me and I'm not being lost. 
First Corinthians four, we know that one where it's it's uh, it, it goes on and it says that nothing will separate us from us. Nothing, nothing's too big, nothing's too complex. Um, sometimes we ask the question like David did, well, why me? But you know when David asked why me, it's why have you lavished all this on me? That's his greatest why me's. If you look through Psalms, his greatest why me's are, why have you done this for me? What, what, what is man that they're mindful of me? Why, why have you set this? Be-? And he realizes that it's not because uh, his punishment is because he's been so bad or his reward is because he's been so good. All goodness is because God is so good. Um, <clears throat> there's kind of three areas. There's, there's the macro, which is larger than us. There's the MIDI, scientifically speaking. I taught junior high science for seven years. Oops. Sorry. The little twitch is back. <laughs> Tony, you remember that one, don't you? <laughs> Sixth grade, seventh, eighth grade twitch. Um, <clears throat> I, I kind of want to discipline someone now. <laughs> John Dollins was around. I could send him to his office. Sorry. <clears throat> But uh, there's three areas. There's a macro, and then there's a midi, which is the world we live in. There's a micro, which we can't see. And in our midi world, William Jennings Bryan, he, he tried to become president um, more times than Romney. He tried three times, and he failed three times to become president. Um, but he was a brilliant man, uh, did a lot of good things, uh, some stupid things. But he was a brilliant man. He said this, when you explain to me the mystery of the watermelon, then ask me about the mysteries of God. And I thought, well, that's a strange statement. Why would he say that? And so I, I looked it up. What are the mysteries of the watermelon? And here's, here's what he was trying to say. And then later on in the article, if I just kept reading and, and not stopping and going and studying, if I kept reading, it would have answered me on the next page. <laughs> but I didn't. I did the Google search. And so, <laughs> and then 20 minutes later, I come back and say, oh, well, there's the answer. Because <laughs> he says this, you, you have this little watermelon seed, okay? You've taken it. You, you've spit it out. You had a watermelon Contest: Who can spit the farthest? And the, the seeds are out there. And you take that little seed, and you look at the thing. Now it's all dried up in the sun, and the moisture inside, if you plant that, the moisture inside will draw 200,000 times its weight to create a watermelon. One watermelon seed will draw out 200 times its weight of liquid from the earth to create a watermelon. And then we say, are, are my gifts too small? Uh, is what I have too small? I don't know. Plant it. Do you hold it or do you plant it? My gift, my gift, my gift, my seed, my gift. Well, <laughs> plant it somewhere. Plant it in someone. Plant it in something. Plant it in some community. Plant it in some activity. But plant who you are. Plant what God gave you. Nothing can grow unless it's planted. If a seed just sits there, it, it, the outside bakes it to the point where it can no longer reproduce. Your gifts aren't too small. A peregrine falcon, I love this. A peregrine falcon can fly along, and by the way, it's the fastest animal on the earth. When, it, when it's diving and scoop, scooping down, people, oh, it's the, the jaguar, or it's, it's the whatever, what is it? The? Cheetah, yeah, cheetah. Well, it goes about 70 miles an hour. Peregrine falcon gets up to 200 miles an hour. In its dive for prey. It goes up to two. Some guys said they got up to 220 miles an hour. But I'm just going to stick with 200 just so I, we can be reasonable. 
200 miles an hour, and it sees, I'd rather be on that side than the other side that's always exaggerating something. <clears throat> and it's, it can see a mouse move five miles away. Five miles away. It can see a mouse move. If you put a peregrine falcon at, at, the, at the end zone of a football field, and you put a newspaper at the other end, if it could understand what it's reading, it can read the newsprint 100 yards away. That's how, that's how amazing its eyes are. <clears throat> and we ask the question, does God see me? He says, I made the peregrine falcon just for you. Not just to enjoy, so that you know if he can see something five miles away and his brain is that big. <laughs> yes, I see you. You're beautiful. I love who you are. I understand your situation. Your gifts aren't too small. It's not too complex. And this is the one that freaks me out. Monarch butterflies. I mean, when we were up north, we lived up in upstate New York, we had, you know, the, the geese would start going, the Canadian geese would come over, and we'd see them start flying south for the winter. That was usually August. <laughs> That's why there's such a large amount of depression up in that area of the country. <laughs> a lot of bars. <laughs> Our, our, seriously, our town had a, a pizza hut, one little pizza hut, had a tiny little clothing store, and six bars. There was no grocery stores, but it had six bars. <laughs> Marion was known. You want to go get a good drink? Go to Marion. <clears throat> so monarch butterflies, they start out in central Mexico. All right? They all start out in the same area. And then they fly up north. And they come up here to Kansas City. <sighs> I'm exhausted. I'm going to New York. Okay. I'm staying here. This is enough. And they hang out for a while. And we see them flying around. This is really great. And we, th- those aren't the ones that fly away because they, they have little babies. But you know the process of, of, of the, butterf- or the monarch and the, the caterpillar and the, the butterfly. I don't want to go the whole thing. But they, they go through the process and, and, and suddenly the new butterfly comes out. And there he is. And then he... And she do their thing, and they have more monarch butterflies. So it's the third generation now that sits here. The other two have died. And sometime in September, they look at each other and go, I got to go. I got to go. Where are you going? I have no clue. I got to go. I'm going. Well, I'm going too. I'm not going to be alone. Well, I'm going. (laughs) Coming, Lloyd? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why are you coming? She told me to. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and they, they fly. Two generations have passed away. All they've known is Kansas City. Isn't that sad, by the way? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so all they've known, they've never, ever flown over anything else. They always fly within a one-mile radius. They live in this little world for one mile their entire life. And then a couple months later, they go, I'm, I'm leaving. And they all go back to the same field in central Mexico. All of them. Oh, look it up sometime. Monarch Butterfly, central Mexico. It'll show you pictures. All you see is gold and yellow. Billions and billions of gold and yellow monarch butterflies all in the same area. I mean, if a peregrine falcon's brain is that big, how big is a monarch butterfly's brain? And then we ask God, God, can you lead me? 
can I lead you? The brainless butterfly. (laughs) I can lead you. You got a big brain. (laughs) I'm going to skip over the, the small... The, 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 the micro, which is what we can't see, it's, it's fascinating, but I don't want to go on forever. <clears throat> but one thing that's interesting is a single rye plant, 300 miles of roots in a summer. 300 miles of roots in a single rye plant. Wow. Can God make bigger things from the little things in my life? Yeah. Small root, 300 miles. Speaking of small... World War II ended because one country had the bomb. They didn't call it the mountain bomb. It was the smallest particle man ever knew at that time. It was called the atom bomb. In other words, what he's saying is, it was what was harnessed was what God all, always knew. In the smallest of particles is the greatest of explosions. It's just waiting to come out. Can you figure out how to make it come out? Let's do this together. You have within you an explosion waiting to come out. Nothing you have is too small. Nothing you have is too complex. Nothing you have can't be led well. <clears throat> I know you've heard it, and we've all heard it before, and, and I, I almost wanted to slap one time. This guy got up and says, Stop de- de- or <clears throat> despising the day of small beginnings. And I remember this guy yelling at me a few years ago. And it's like, I know that's true. But the fact is, We know it's true. And sometimes beginnings are small, and sometimes beginnings are long. That's just how it is sometimes. Sometimes the longest part of a process is its beginning. But the most important part of the process is its beginning. Because if it started wrong, the end result is horrible. And so he he so wants to make sure that our lives have a good ending. That he, he, it's worth it for him to spend a little more time in the beginning. And the beginnings sometimes are small. But I tell you, when God completes a work, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Lastly, I think David could have asked one more question before looking at what's out there. And David could then look at himself and go, look at me. Yeah, I was king. Yep. I did this. I did that. I wrote that. I sang that. I marched here. I killed Goliath. Um, but I had sin. I, I, I helped murder someone. I, I took another man's wife. Am I disqualified? Um, that is a question that a lot of people have asked. I don't know if you know this is true or not, but there's been a lot of controversy lately over grace. Maybe, maybe you know? Uh, just... No? Yeah, well, in, in my circles, there's been a lot of controversy over the... Sorry. <laughs> I need grace. I love forgiveness. Forgiveness, it, 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 it covers, it has taken care of all my sin, and grace invites me back to live again. It, it says, let's go. But I should be disqualified. Yeah, but you're in me. You're not. You're not. Remember I said I'd be with you forever? I'll never leave, never forsake you. So if you're disqualified, I am too, but I'm not. 
So we're in this thing together. And one of the things that, that I had a conversation with someone, I've had a few conversations, <laughs> over terms like sloppy grace, hyper grace. I, you may have heard these terms. Um, I don't know. But um, <clears throat> I, I, said to, I said to him, you know, we use, do you like the word love? He goes, oh, love the word love. Love, love. How about faith? Oh, faith. Substance, thing, hope for the evidence, things not seen. Love, faith. Saved by faith. Yeah, we're also saved by grace. Through faith. Ooh. It's the grace that saves us by our faith. It's our faith and then his grace. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, faith. So that's a good thing. Now, how about mercy? You like mercy? Oh, love mercy. Love mercy. Sure you do. How about judgment? He didn't say anything. <laughs> He's talking to me about balancing grace. I said, okay, help me out here. Balance love. Go ahead. Do you add a little hate to your message? You just add a little bit of hate to balance love? How about faith? A little more unbelief. Let's make sure that we don't go too far. Let's have enough unbelief in our church, in our life, in our home. We've got to balance out faith. I love mercy, but I can't be too merciful, so I have to have a certain amount of judgment in my life. And I have to, have, I have to be a person of justice and judgment to balance out mercy, because you can't be too merciful. He just looked at me and goes, I, I think I get where you're going. <laughs> I said, you know, they're, they're all precious gifts. Let's not attack love. Let's not attack faith. Let's not attack mercy. Don't attack grace. It is not sloppy grace. It might be sloppy obedience. I'll give you that. But God's grace is not sloppy. Listen, and I, and I uh, please hear what I'm saying here is, <clears throat> I heard a song during the winter, it was a, it was a Christmas carol, and uh, um, Don We Now Are Gay Apparel. Now, when I was a kid and we sang that, no one laughed. You know why? There's a whole generation that's come, a couple more that has come, and so I, I'm on slippery ground here for a minute, but please, please bear with me. When we were young, the word gay meant happy. It meant full of joy. Actually, it meant overflowing with joy. That was, that was the word for gay. And then there was a song, I, what was it? My Fair Lady, I Feel Pretty, Also oh Pretty. West Side Story, thank you. I knew it was one, one of those singing ones. I have daughters, oh yeah. I've seen Anna Green Gables ten times, I understand. <clears throat> I've cried with... Kiss him, kiss him, kiss her on the bridge. Come on, kiss her. No more movies, just kiss her. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> but, you know, I feel pretty witty and gay. Okay? Okay, someone has, has robbed me of a term that I can't use unless I explain it. And if I do, it's laughed at. Right? I'm not trying to be, please, I'm not trying to be critical. I am not trying to be judgmental. To hear my heart. But the same thing happened with rainbows. When we were kids, we had rainbows all over the place. Now the church can't use rainbows because of certain meanings and certain places won't use them. Now, 
here's, here's, what, here's, a, here's the subtle thing I've seen happen, is that the word grace, people are holding it back because they're not sure of how someone's going to take it. Do not take the word grace away from me. I've had too many other things taken away. Do not take the grace of God away from me. Do not take the truth of the grace of God away from me. It is mine. It is mine till the day I die. And it, it is, I, what made me a son was not me. It was a father. Okay? So what makes grace in my life is not me. It's him. I'm not going to lose that term, and I'm not going to be afraid to use it and understand it and understand it in its right way. And the fact of the matter is, all those places that have been lost are the places that God is trying to invade with grace. And that's where we need to be people of grace and not of judgment. People of mercy, not already having our opinions decided because of someone's particular uh, viewpoint and lifestyle. That does not change the grace of God. That releases the grace of God. So, David had question after question. Lloyd, I don't know how you want to end this, but I just, if you don't mind, just, just for one minute, if you have one of these questions today, if you've been having them, there's one of these that I have that is, we've been having, we've talked about it on our way here, um, but a question about, you know, are, are things too complex? Things are complex. I, I, need, I need God to simplify them. Things, things uh, seem too small. My gifts, my ta- whatever. If one of these questions has resonated in your heart, I just want to, I want you to stand just for a second. Then there's the part that says, I don't want to let anyone know that one of those resonates in my heart. Um, but I'm just joining you. I'm standing first. Do we just say, Lord, we thank you. That the moon and the stars you've ordained. That you've put a world out. We're going to walk out of this building in a minute. We're going to see clouds. We're going to see trees. And in the days ahead, in just a few days, there's going to be blossoms. And some of these trees are going to turn pink. And then they're going to turn white. And then they're going to turn green. And in the fall, they're going to, they're going to have some other colors. And, and we're going to hear birds sing. And we're going to see a moon. And we're going to see it get larger and smaller. And we're, and we're going to... And, and things will be in front of us. And you'll be whispering about yourself to us. As a bridegroom stepping out of the chamber, you're saying, there I am, there I am, there I am. And so, Lord, we want to take your invitation to find you so that our questions can fully be answered. We thank you that you're the God that answers every one of them, that there's nothing too big, there's nothing too complex. You are in us, therefore, there's no gifting that's too small. Lord, I thank you for the grace of God that doesn't disqualify me, but again, gives me an invitation to live again. So we bless you. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. You, in Jesus' name, amen.